in season and out of season. Whenever I begin to prepare to hear from the Lord, I always go to my prayer closet and ask God what he is saying. And usually God will drop either a scripture, a word, a sermon title, and a part. And once I grab a hold of that, I begin to study, dig into the word, do all the things that you should do, any good preacher should do, because we should study to show ourselves approved. Amen. And so I begin to dig into this word, and the Lord spoke to me about in season and out of season, and I begin to read and study, and one of the study methods that I like to use once I get to a certain part of my study is I like to bring out other translations of the Bible. And in case you didn't know, the Bible was not written in King James English. Boy, I saw stones being picked up. I said that last week, and somebody in the back of the church stood up and said, give us Barabbas, you know. There's nothing wrong with the King James. I'm not coming against the King James this morning, but as you know, the Bible wasn't written in King James English. It was written in the Greek. And when you translate from the original language to English, it doesn't always translate word for word. And in English, it's complicated anyway because there's so many different ways to say the same thing, either with the same word or multiple words. So that's why we have all these different translations, but when you study other translations, sometimes it gives you a broader picture of what the intent of the original author was trying to convey. So I began to read the other translations that I had. I had Bibles out. I had my Bible on my phone, all the different translations I can get on it. And it had all this, these commentaries and all my, my Greek concordance. Everything spread out over my study. And I got to the NIV version, the newly inspired version. Nearly inspired, newly inspired, something. And I got mad. It takes a lot to get me really mad, but I was red-faced mad because when I read in the NIV, I got to verse number three and found that part of verse number three was gone. And the entirety of verse number four is gone. And I said, who messed with my Bible? I was mad. So I went back to my New American Standard Study Bible that I always have devotion and do all my base study out of, and at the end of verse number three, and at the end of verse number four, there's a little symbol called an asterisk, which tells me it denotes something, so I went to the middle column in my study Bible, and it says that the end of verse number three, and the entirety of verse number four, is not found in the earliest Greek manuscripts, so I'm like, okay, so you go back to the NIV, and they took it upon themselves, those translators, just to leave it out. So I understand why they did it, but I don't know if I like that they did it. And the reason why I shared that is because what I'm about to preach this morning, everywhere I go, there is some self-appointed theologian that wants to come up to me and say, well, that was a good word, brother, but did you know that the end of verse number three and the entirety of verse number four isn't in there? And, and listen, I know. I've studied to show myself approved, but I tell you something that I do that some theologians do not do is I went and I put my head and my ear against the chest of Jesus, and I heard his heart beat for this message this morning, and he said in verse number three and in verse number four, there is something called in season and out of season. Some of y'all are not with me. I got one Presbyterian nod in the back right-hand corner. 
in season and out of season. So I read John chapter 5, verse 1 through 17. I read it over and over and over again. I'm not finding anything other than the word season in verse number 4. So I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about in season and out of season? So whenever you're looking for something in the Bible, it's good to read the verse before, the verse after, the chapter before, the chapter after. The, the, the Bible, book of the Bible before and the book of the Bible after. And if you can't find what you're looking for in the Bible, it's not in there. But I begin to think about where else in the Bible does it talk about in season and out of season. And the Apostle Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy. He said, son, be ready, be instant to preach the word both in season and out of season. Did you know as a believer, the work of an evangelist is just not for the evangelist. Every person in here should have a hope, should have an answer, should have a reason for the hope that is in your heart, which is in Jesus Christ. You should be preaching the gospel, not only when it's the right season, but even when it seems like it's not the right season. I remember that I just got back from Mardi Gras this past February. SUM Bible College, the Bible college I'm finishing my degree with. Every year they go to Mardi Gras and preach Jesus on Bourbon Street. I was with about 500 other Bible college students, and we were out there sharing Jesus with prostitutes and addicts and all sorts of worldliness that you could only imagine. And when I just, I went there, we saw over over a thousand people give their hearts to the Lord. So we had like 30 people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit right there in Bourbon Street. People left crutches on Bourbon Street, started walking on their own power. It was amazing. So I get back to Hot Springs, Arkansas. This is on, it's on, a, on a Thursday. My wife needs me to go to the store, one of these neighborhood Walmarts. You ever been to one of those? And they don't have everything that big Walmart has. As a matter of fact, there's sometimes the things that you normally find in big Walmart are not in a certain area in the smaller Walmart. They're combined with some other area. So I had all these groceries and things listed. And I got to the end of the list and it had Q-tips listed. Guess where the Q-tips are in the neighborhood Walmart? They're at the end of the makeup aisle. So this big, strong, damn fit that's two pounds bigger, if you can imagine. Make sure my shirt's a little loose this morning. But anyway, this big bald-headed guy going to the makeup aisle to get these Q-tips and cotton balls. And here comes this kid down the aisle getting a piggyback. He's, he's getting a piggyback ride from his girlfriend. He's probably taller than I am, and she's like this tall. Can you imagine that? Picture that coming down the makeup aisle. The Holy Spirit speaks. I'm tired. I've been ministering all week. If I can do it on Bourbon Street, I can do it at Walmart. If I can do it in the coal pit, why can't I do it in the cash register? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, you need to go up there and ask him if he's ever experienced the power of God. And when I did, it shell-shocked him. The Lord gave me a word of knowledge, and I began to prophesy about his life. And he had just got out of jail. I had no clue. And he gets born again at the end of the makeup aisle. It wasn't the right season, but I had an answer. I had a reason to share my faith. Gets born again. Matter of fact, make a long, another long story short, his brother was actually on the mission trip with me to Mardi Gras. And he thought his brother made the whole story up about going to Mardi Gras. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. And the reason why some of you have lost loved ones that have yet to come to the Lord is because you've been trying to preach to them. But what you need to do is start preaching to everybody 
that needs Jesus. And then guess what God will do? We'll raise up another laborer who will preach the word which your family member can receive because they're not receiving from you. But maybe it'll take somebody who has an ear to hear in that moment like Jesus did with the woman at the well instead of saying you've committed an adultery. He says, no, go call your husband. You've had five and the one you're living with and shacking up with right now is not your husband. And that rhema word pierces her heart. And what if you begin to do that same thing for other people? And then God in turn begins to do the same thing for you. Raise up somebody else to minister that lost son, that lost other daughter, that lost mother or lost father. We need to be ready in season and out of season. And if I had notes, that was not in my notes this morning. However, I asked the Lord, what about John chapter 5? Where is that in season and out of season? And at that moment, the Lord did something to me that my dad used to do to me when I was a born and teenager. Boy, you missed it. The Lord began to speak to me. He says, boy, that's not what I'm talking about. Here, I'm speaking in the context of a revival that can come in season and out of season. In season and out of season. In verse number four, it begins to tell us that at certain seasons, an angel of the Lord would come down, stir up the water that was in the pool. The first one that gets in would be healed. It says that it came down. And if it's coming down, guess where it's coming from? It is coming from heaven. The angel of the Lord is coming from heaven. There is still an hour at certain seasons where there is still things that are being heaven sent. If you think that Joel chapter 2 was fulfilled in its fullness in Acts chapter 2, you have not paid attention to history. Because not only did God pour out His Spirit in Acts chapter 2, but throughout history, He has been sending wave after wave after wave after wave of revival to stir people's hearts and to awaken people in the right season. Yes, there will be a great falling away, and even so may be now, taking place in the earth, but God still has a season where he's going to awaken his church and send revival, I believe, even to America. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams because they're always sleeping in the recliner, and young men shall see visions. On my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. The Apostle Paul said, be filled with the spirit. And if you want to get theological and look at the Greek there, it doesn't just mean a one-time event. It means keep on being filled continually with the spirit. So there's promise of revival that is coming as it happens over and over and over and over and over again. There's still something being sent from heaven in it, in its season. And there's a man here who had been lame for 38 years. And he had seen the angel come down time and time and time. Again, I've seen this before with Andre Van Zeele, Pastor. I'm telling you. 
I've seen it come at you first. Time and time again, the wave of refreshing, God pouring out of the Spirit, has come to the church time and time and time again, only for some of you to sit in the same seat you've always sat, whether it be 3.8 years or 38 years, and you are unmoved by what has come from heaven. 38 years, sit in the corner. And instead of taking responsibility for himself, he told Jesus, I have no man to put me in. Wears the title pastor, but I have no pastor to put me in. The excuse is not on the pastor. The evangelist, he didn't lay hands on me just like he didn't prophesy over me. I have no man to put me in. My dad is such a hypocrite. I have no man to put me in. You can blame the preacher, you can blame the evangelist, you can blame your parents, but it ain't nobody's fault but your own. At some point, we have to take responsibility for the condition that we are in. I can go to one place, it go just blow out, God will move. I go to the next place, and I'm thinking I go to church more than Jesus does because I know in that place that morning, he sure isn't there. I can even see it in churches. Half the people really getting it, the other half just sitting there with their arms folded. I ain't got no man to put me. Oh, if he preaches the right word. Oh, we've heard him preach that before. I don't need that again. Yes, you do. The Apostle Paul said to write the same things to you. It's no burden to me, but it's necessary for you. The church is the only educational institution where review is frowned upon. You go to school, they teach you the same thing over and over and over again till you can pass the test, and then you frown on the pastor when he teaches a series, and he may say the same thing over and over and over again. And you wonder why you're getting mad at him preaching something over and over again and tuning him out, and you wonder why you can't ever pass the test. If I had notes, I never said that before. If I had notes, I'd run in there. Time after time, God sends us something. And what we do is we put the blame that I have no man. I have no man. I'm in my corner. The angel comes, stirs the water. I have no man. Brother Grady, he's lame. I get that. I get it. However, if you're lame for 38 years, he found a way to survive. Somebody had to feed him. Somebody had to clothe him. And somebody even had to turn him because if you're bedridden and somebody doesn't turn you, guess what? You get something on you, eat you up and you die. Somebody took care of him. The issue wasn't the man because there was a man there. He just didn't want to get in. But there was a day, if I really wanted to be healed, and this guy's taking care of me, I said, brother, today don't feed me. Don't clothe me. Don't even turn me. Will you just, will you just drag me 
drag me. Drag me. Come on, drag me. You strong pup. Come on, drag me. Come on, drag me to the edge. I'm going to right here to the edge. Get me. Come on. Get me. Right here. Right here. Because you know what? I'm tired of being in that corner. Thank you. Don't worry about tomorrow. I got where I needed because there's a season coming. There is a season coming. I'm going to go ahead and go over here because I want to. Because they're not going to beat me this time. Because if I know it's coming in its season, I'm going to be ready. And nobody's going to beat me in. And as soon as that water stirred, I'm just going to roll right on in. Why is it we choose to stay in the corner instead of waiting at the edge? Because once we are made whole and experience the revival, now we are responsible to steward what has just took place in our lives. The man gets healed, then guess what? Nobody but himself is responsible to feed him but himself. Nobody else has to clothe him but himself. Now he's responsible to walk on his own two feet. The excuse can no longer be anybody else. Why do we sit in the corner? Because we want to receive, but we don't want to accept the responsibility. In the book of Genesis, there's a story you don't hear preached on too much because we think it's too extreme, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. The story of Onan. Onan had a brother named Judah who was married to Tamar. Judah died. And according to the Old Testament law, Onan was supposed to have relations with Tamar to raise up children for his deceased brother. And the scripture says they came together, had relations, but Onan spilled his seed on the ground and the Lord struck him. Why did the Lord strike Onan for spilling his seed upon the ground? Yes, the Catholic Church, or any Catholic people, they'll tell you, that just proves right there that birth control is not of God. And if you think God put that in the Bible to prove that birth control is not of God, you totally miss what the Spirit is trying to say to the church. The reason why God struck Onan is because he wanted to experience the pleasure without taking the responsibility. And what happens in church, we had an amazing worship this morning. And I'm thankful for Brother Shane being led of the Lord and being sensitive and flowing in the Spirit. Because I wish I could take that everywhere I go. Because it's not everywhere. And you know it, but this is what you do. You'll experience the pleasures of God's presence in worship. Or you'll bring in an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, whoever other fivefold minister you have, even your pastor will be able to preach the house down, and you experience the pleasure of a good word. But when it comes time for God to impregnate you, see, people just want to receive, they don't want to conceive. Because they want the experience, they want the pleasure without the responsibility. You have a nice, pretty full church this morning. But if you want to grow, some of you need to get up off your rear end and listen to the word of the Lord and conceive. See, we don't want to become pregnant because now we got to carry the thing. 
Now, once we get through carrying it, now we got to go through the labor pains and give birth to it. But here's where it really gets tricky. That's really the easy part because for the next 18 years after you give birth, now you're responsible to raise that to maturity. And many of you, there's kids' ministries that God is wanting to impregnate you with. Youth ministries, young adult ministries. There's some of you that God has tried to impregnate you with the call of an intercessor. But what happens is you spill God's word, his seed on the ground, and you don't let it take root. We want to receive, but we don't want to concede because nobody wants the responsibility. Pastor mentioned my home church, First Assembly. We're in Hot Springs, and that's our latest church. Probably runs between five and 600 on a Sunday morning. You know Pastor Matt, Sister Ashley, were our kids' pastors. They were my kids' kids' pastors. And when they left, they left the Lord. And so we had somebody that was the interim for a little while, and they, they couldn't do any more, and they quit. And then Pastor Burton asked my wife if she would be willing to do it. And what was crazy is the Lord's already been stirring my heart, my wife's heart about taking the responsibility. So it was just God's time. So since this past November, my wife has been the kids, the interim kids pastor. And for the first three months, they have two services on Sunday morning. First service had about 40 kids. Second service had 25 to 30 kids. And for the first two months, because I was gone, there was somebody preaching. She was the only adult in there. Why? Where's the help? I have a church of five to six hundred. Where is the help? Tell you what, because everybody wants to receive, but nobody wants to concede. Because what that kids ministry, what your kids ministry needs, is not somebody go in there and be a babysitter. They need somebody that feels the call of God to go invest in somebody's life. Frustrates me that people just want to show up on Wednesday night, help out with a youth ministry for crowd control. What about investing in somebody's life? Because the responsibility takes too much of your schedule and your time. I can't fish as much as I used to. Welcome to the ministry. God told me this last fall not to go deer hunting. I, he told me to give up deer hunting. I'm like, I can't do that. It's my thing. That's how I relax. And I said, okay, Lord, I give it to you. And the good thing I gave it to him because I actually had no free weekend. What if I had ignored ministry over the pleasure? Because, see, God was wanting me to conceive something different and pay a price to preach this gospel in the earth. There's a cost. There's a responsibility. And if God poured out his spirit and revival broke out in Heber Springs and people started coming to the Lord, who is going to take in the responsibility? Who is going to conceive and raise up the sons and daughters that God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh? Why are there no sons and daughters prophesying? Because they have no spiritual father or mother willing to take up the responsibility to raise them up in a prophetic spirit-filled movement. But it's coming. Will you sit in the corner? Or will you be hanging in the air? Ready to wait on God. There's a revival that's coming in its season. But yet there is still a revival that takes place out of season. Jesus comes to him and says, do you wish to be made well? 
upset me and he gives the excuse. And Jesus said, that don't bother me. Get up, pick up and walk, son. And guess what that dude does? He gets up, he picks up his pallet, and he's gone. Totally out of the condition that he was in previously. But the Bible says, now hold on, it is the Sabbath day. And the law said you couldn't work healing on the church day. It was something that took place during a season. Jesus shows up, says, do you want to get made well? And Jesus says, I have no man to put me in when it comes in its season. And Jesus says, I know it's not the right season, but if you want it, get up, pick up, and walk in it. And this morning, the Lord is saying, it may not have come just yet, but for those who are hungry, come get it. If you want it, come get it. Yes, there's season. See, the kingdom of God is not only coming, it's here now. Your salvation is not just going to be fully revealed at the last hour. It's in you now. See, there's two things. It's now and later. And what we've got to learn in the church is to put a demand on what Jesus is wanting to do now, not just later. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sold out to God. They wouldn't bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's image. King Neb liked them. He liked them boys, but when he heard they wouldn't worship, he had a problem with them. Brings them in. Say, I hear this is what's going on. I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear the worship music begin to play, go bow before my image or I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they said, well, King Neb, we're not going to do that. Our God will deliver us. He is able to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to serve you. So he binds them up, throws them in the fire. And when he sees them, he looks in the fire. He grabs his right-hand man. Bob, didn't we throw three of them dudes in that fire right there? I know they was Arkansan. Everybody in the Bible was Arkansan. The disciples, when Jesus ascended into heaven, I know they was Arkansan because they gawked. And the angel said, why are you looking up in the sky like that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got that one uncle in your family that come at Thanksgiving. See that turkey? That's me right there. Then we throw three in the fire. Yes. Well, I don't just see them. They're not bound anymore. They're walking around loose, and there's a fourth person in there who looks like the Son of God. Jesus shows up in the midst of fire, and it's 700 years before Jesus was to be born. It was not his season. But when you know him well enough and you need him desperately enough, Jesus will show up early. In John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine. If you read earlier in the story, Mary comes to him and says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And he says, woman, if I had to call my mama woman, you know what happened. My daddy hit me this way, my mama hit me this way. Actually, if you read in the Greek, it would become this way. Dear woman, he honored his mother. Dear woman, what's that got to do with me? My hour has 
was not yet time. It wasn't the time nor the season for the miracle. But Mary knew him well enough, and she needed him desperate enough. And Jesus showed up early. Jesus, your friend Lazarus, is sick. So what does Jesus do? He gets up and goes to Lazarus as fast as a galloping herd of turtles. But you know what a, how a turtle gallops? Matter of fact, the Bible actually says he took a few days before he got up and went. He took his time. Gets there. Mary and Martha upset because if Jesus would have been there, their brother would not have died. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believe you see the glory of God? Yes, Jesus, we know my brother will live again on the last day at the resurrection. And Jesus said, woman, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me is not going to die. He says, roll back the stone. But he's thinking, I don't care. It's not the right season to roll away the stone, but roll it away. Lazarus comes forth. It wasn't time for the resurrection. Jesus himself has not been resurrected. But they knew him well enough. And they needed him very badly. And Jesus showed up early. Out of season. Make it applicable to Hebrew Springs. It's vacation month. June. Probably not the good, best time to schedule something like this. Rewind to last weekend. A tent revival in June. It's going to be hot. Hope you got water and fans. religious bracket. Hope you got water and fans. I'll try to make it. I'm not doing this for you anyway. I'm doing it for those three people that walked out of the bar that just opened up in the location that we put our tent that came in at Saturday night after we'd done rent for three and a half hours and we was wondering if it's time for the worship leader to finally stop or not but she was feeling something in her soul that says keep on going after God. Three people come out of the bar and this woman comes down to the front weeping, gives her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrong season, it's hot. Everybody's on vacation. But here in Heber Springs, Arkansas, if this city needs it badly enough, and you know your God well enough, he can show up in the wrong season. He will show up early. How bad do you want it? Will you refuse to pump your brakes? And will you accept? responsibility. Would you stand with me this morning?